Welcome to Fear Frequency, everybody. It's a weekly horror podcast where two best friends round up the horror news worth caring about and review a movie or two. Uh, I'm your host, Jimmy Champagne, and with me today is co-host George Frazard, back in Michigan. How's it going? Uh, okay, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Why just okay? <laughs> uh, you know, just being back in Michigan, not in the, the old LA. Oh yeah, that that was a lot of fun. So I heard you. I heard you got a tax return today, though. Yeah, uh, I got a big old tax return from the federal government. The Internal Revenue Service sent me a check, two thousand dollars back for my tax return, biggest one I've ever gotten. That's a lot of money. Yeah, until I had to you, spend it back on my student loans. Some, oh, so you didn't buy anything nice with it? No, the only way I can enjoy money is if I spend it. On my Kylo Ren jacket that I just bought at Disneyland for $210. Okay, yeah. So, basically what happened. This is a crazy story, you guys. So, George came back to L.A. with me. And then me, him, my girlfriend Kelsey, and her friend went to Disneyland for Kelsey's birthday. So, Kelsey and I have annual passes. So, we go all the time. So, we were like, how do we make this special for Kelsey's birthday? So, we decided to get a room at the Disneyland Hotel with George and Kelsey's friend Tori. So we all go down, it's great, we have this great day at the park, and then the girls go back to the room to like check it out because it wasn't ready when we got there, and George and I had appointments at uh, the Void VR, which is like this really cool Rogue One themed VR experience. I've done it before, I think I talked about it on the show, but George did it for the first time. I th- I think it's pretty good, what did you think of it? Yeah, I thought it was awesome. I think anyone, I just saw a story that they're putting one in las vegas so if you get a chance to check this out in vegas or at disneyland i would definitely recommend it yeah it's like i talk about it more but you can't it's it's really hard to i mean it's like entirely oversell you'll never reach the true explanation of what it is it's awesome right and it's so story driven that you can't really explain what goes on because it's cooler if you don't know right so i don't want to spoil any of that so we do this and uh so the first time we go through i thought i'd be funny and put my name as poe dameron (laughs) which i've done before i don't put my real name on the like waiver and this time the guy wanted to be a dick and prove a point so he's like "Uh, we don't allow code names so he made me go out and change it to my name which is fucking stupid because it's just an oculus headset and a vest like i'm not about to die on it or anything (laughs) so Switch our names, but it actually worked out because then George and I got to go through it with just us. And before we would have had to go through it with like two random people, which would have been really dumb, I think. So we lucked out there, I guess. And so then we go back to the room and keep in mind, we don't know what the room is. So then uh, I text Kelsey and I'm like, hey, what, uh, what room are we in? So she tells us we go up to the 11th floor and then we get to the room and it's like, the whole hallway is normal doorways, like normal hotel doors with the little car, key card thing. And then we get to our room, we walk right past it, because I thought it was like a, a big closet or something. Come back, notice that our room has a doorbell and double doors, and then I read Mickey Mouse Penthouse on it. So we go in, it's this like massive room, it's so big. It's like, it's two and a half bedrooms, or two and a, two two, and a half bathrooms. Yeah, two, two and a half bedrooms. bathrooms, two bedrooms, a dining room, bar... Full couch. Giant living room. Like. <laughs> so mean, basically what happened was they upgraded us because they overbooked the normal rooms in the hotel. And so they upgraded randomly us for Kelsey's birthday. So we got this incredible room. It's like, and I looked it up on TripAdvisor. And in 2014, some lady said that her husband paid three grand for one night there. 
So we paid for like a normal room, which was still expensive, but it was nowhere close. It wasn't three, three grand, grand expensive, that's for sure. No, we we paid like a tenth of that. So that was awesome. Yeah, that was super cool. That room was just unbelievably amazing. I I don't think we'll ever be able to experience something like that again. Yeah, so like we bought. Well, George bought a two-day pass to the park. Me, Tori, and Kelsey all have annual passes because we live out here. And the first night, we were going to go see the Pixar fireworks. Uh, but we decided to just hang out in the room. Because down the hall, they had this sweet room where you could like get snacks and breakfast and blah, blah, blah. But at 5 o'clock, you could go and there was an open bar for free. So George and I played a game to see who could chug the most Corona <laughs> in an hour. And I think we both won. And so then we all just hung out in the room. The, the The room had this giant bathtub jacuzzi. So Kelsey and Tori drank champagne in the in the jacuzzi together, did their stuff. And then we, George and I, watched uh, Wrong Turn 2 in this amazing <laughs> living room. Like, it had a Mickey Mouse head cut into the ceiling, and the edge of it had, like, a color-changing LED. It was so cool. And if you want to see pictures of it, I posted a bunch on my Instagram but man, that was like unbeatable. Yeah, that was truly a magical experience. One magical upgrade. Yeah, so we went to Disney Thursday and Friday. We went to Trader Sam's. We went to the Blue Bayou. We did all the stuff that normally makes like Disney super cool and fun. But then like all of it was topped by this awesome room. So it was really, it was awesome. It was like the best Disneyland experience ever as someone who goes like twice a month usually. <laughs> like that was really cool. And then we went on Friday, George and I went swimming in the, in the hot tub outside. And then they had to close down the pool because a duck flew into it, which was hilarious. Then the duck left and they didn't even open it back up. They were just like, yep, there yeah, still was, was a duck like, in nah. there. Yeah, there was a duck in there. So <laughs> that was cool. Uh, so George was here. Oh, we saw Avengers on Saturday. Uh, we both really liked it, I think. We, but there, we both had problems with it. If you want us to talk about Marvel movies, we totally will. Let us know. But... Yeah, it was it was good. And then uh, for this week's episode, we wa- we decided to watch uh, Happy Death Day, so that's what we'll be talking about later on. But yeah, so your what is this? Your third LA trip now? Yeah, that's the third time I've been there. So I, I think it was a pretty good one. Yeah, uh, it's it's gonna be hard to top that one for sure. Yeah. So how is going back to work on Monday? Not fun. I'll tell you that much. I have like an amazing job that I love, and then I was like, "Whew, going back to work. Got to get back into the rhythm after having a week off." That was that was a little tough. Yeah. So I can't even imagine what it's like for you. My Monday was like find a new commute to work when you wake up, and also. Oh yeah, they closed a freeway. The freeway you take to work is closed. Yep, my main freeway is closed. So they were like, "Yep, find a new way to work, and also try to be happy there the whole day." Not possible. Yep, and so another cool thing that happened was. Um, the final, we, me and George recorded a promo, and our friends at the Final Boys, they ran it in their episode. Uh, this week's episode should sound louder. Last week, we had to use one mic, which has like a omnidirectional recording mode, but that was really quiet. We made the promo with the same mic, so I was really nervous it wouldn't turn out well, but it turned out great. So if you want to hear that, you can go listen to the Final Boys' newest episode on Nails. Did you, did you watch Nails, or did I watch that before we started the podcast? Uh, I did not watch Nails. Oh my god, it's on Netflix now. That movie sucks. It's so <laughs> bad. Like, I, I don't know. It's it's so bad. We'll talk, maybe we'll talk about it one day. I don't really want to, but 
they they kind of rip it apart. It's really funny. Uh-huh. So I'd go check that out. And then we didn't announce this last week on the show because like we didn't want to be like, hey, losers, look who lost this giveaway. But congratulations to the horror ghoul. She won our giveaway for the witching season. Uh, some idiot decided that us not telling everyone on Instagram who won and rubbing it in their face was the wrong way to do it. So... Uh, I'm sure he's not actually a listener because, you know, he reposts every giveaway. But just so everyone knows, we had a winner. And if you didn't win, sorry. But we're going to do more giveaways because, you know, Blu-ray giveaways are really fun and easy to do. And we want to thank Michael Bailiff from Witching Season Films for that awesome Blu-ray that we gave away. So congrats to the horror ghoul. But, uh, yeah, so that segment's ending with uh, some laughing in the back, or a scream in the background. Can you oh. scream? Is it a laugh or a scream? We've never really decided. It's definitely a scream. Yeah. Yeah, it's a scream. <laughs> uh, if you want, yeah, I don't know. Let, let us know what you think. Is the Dr. Loomis scream a scream <laughs> or a laugh? We don't know. He's probably laughing because he's like, I'm finally going to die after being in this many Halloween movies. He's like, ah, it's the last one. He knew. But yeah, we got a Halloween alert, and this is a big one. We got a big Halloween alert this week. So, at CinemaCon, which started becoming a big thing in the last couple of years, I guess. I've, I've never really heard of it until I moved out here, because my old job, they used to go to Vegas for it. Uh, but recently, they've been showing like new movie footage at these things, and I guess those people got to see the Halloween trailer and some footage. And Eric Vespi, who he used to work at Ain't It Cool News until all that shit happened there... He's a really cool guy, though. I met him on a set visit last April. He's a really nice guy. He he was there for Rooster Teeth, I guess he writes for. Uh, and he dropped some live tweets of the Halloween footage he got to see. But uh, bef- we'll talk about what he said about the trailer. But there's one, one part I want to uh, focus on really quick. <laughs> where he says, quote, There was a shot of Myers post-breakout, tormenting a girl in a bathroom stall. His hand goes over the door and drops down a dozen bloody teeth on the floor. They're not messing around with this one. It's great to see the mask back in action. And I t- I said this to George, and I was like, I love teeth. And he goes, this is something we would put in a movie. <laughs> and I wholeheartedly agree. I don't know. I, I think teeth are pretty creepy, especially if they're bloody. Uh, so that's cool. I mean, there's I'm just something about it being so ludicrous that he would collect all these teeth like for a dramatic entrance to yeah. drop them over the side of a stall to scare someone there's something so <laughs> terrifying and horrifying about that at the same time that it's just amazing i wish he continued to tell us if michael kills the girl or just walks away after because i feel like being dead would suck but also living with the fact that someone dropped 12 <laughs> teeth in front of you that would like ruin your life that would be so terrifying for sure yeah uh so i just want to point out though real quick while we go through these i was right on a lot of my plot guesses for this halloween movie so basically what eric is saying is that Lori is still with her daughter and young granddaughter halloween night 2018 she says Lori has turned into a warrior hellbent on protecting her family and is determined to keep michael locked up forever so Lori's a cop like i guessed and she is basically been training her entire life, uh, preparing for Michael to break out of the sanitarium where they take him at the end of the first movie. Uh, Eric also says the first footage looks great. 
the new story is after he was shot by Loomis, Michael was recommitted and Lori has been preparing in case he ever breaks out. Some teenagers were talking in the footage amongst each other saying, wasn't it her brother that killed all those people? It wasn't her brother. That's something people made up. So yeah, no more Halloween 2. Officially confirmed. They're making jokes about it. This is all good news, especially after that stupid uh, test screening drama, I guess. Yeah, the, like, misinformation about the test screening. Going I air-quoted drama. Yeah. It was just <laughs> stupid. Uh, but, yeah, all this sounds really good. I wish I could have seen the footage. I wish I could have gone to CinemaCon and seen this early. Yeah, right? <laughs> but it's awesome that they at least have footage that they're ready to show, a trailer prepared, and something that we will hopefully, fingers crossed, be able to see very soon. Yeah, so that's cool. And so Nick Cat, I guess... People were bugging Nick Castle for some reason about when the trailer's going to drop. So he asked David Robert Mitchell. And David David Robert Mitchell told him it'll be out in one or two months at the earliest. I, I don't want to take that, like... I don't Take that with a grain of salt because, like... I don't know. It's like a third-hand source at that point. So whatever. But maybe in a month or two we'll get to see the trailer. I'm really excited. I'm glad to hear... Everything's coming together well with that. I it's pretty clear that Jane or uh, Laurie's playing like the Doctor Loomis character this time around. You know, like the guy who's like, "Nah, this is serious," and everyone else is like, "Whatever." Yeah, uh, I think that's kind of the perfect evolution for her role to be able to go from this final girl in the first movie to, I guess, the antagonist of Michael Myers or the protagonist that we're supposed to follow throughout the movie. So. Uh, definitely a solid arc. It makes a lot of sense, and I'm excited to see how it plays out. Cool. Me too. So, next up on the list, Goosebumps Slappy Halloween has been retitled to Goosebumps Haunted Halloween, which, like, Slappy Halloween wasn't a good title to begin with, I don't think, but it's better than Haunted Halloween. Yeah, Haunted Halloween feels, like, redundant. Like... Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know. Slappy Halloween at least... Goosebumps too. Yeah, I mean, at least with Slappy Halloween, it, it was kind of like, you know that the main character is Slappy or that he is a main role in the plot. This Haunted Halloween, that could be anything. That could be title for a new Goosebumps that comes out this year, you know? It doesn't really say anything yeah. about what, what the movie's about. Yeah, there's not nothing more to the story. I just wanted to let everyone know that this movie got retitled. comes out on October 12th. A lot of, lot of last-minute changes so for this movie. It's not coming excited out for this it. year. <laughs> yeah, like, what? <laughs> Dylan Minnette's not in it. Jack Black doesn't sound like... He's still not announced to be in it. It seems like it has nothing to do with the movie that came out a couple years ago, which was, like, pretty good. So, you know, I'm just not stoked for this. I'm going to see it because I love Goosebumps, but I'm not necessarily excited, you know? Yeah, it's kind of something you feel obligated to watch, but not something you're excited to go out and pay money for. So next on the list, Andy Muschietti, he had an interview at CinemaCon with someone, and he said that it is going to be scarier at Chapter 2. He said, bring your adult diapers to the theaters. So, yeah, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I thought I the know. first chapter was fairly scary. I didn't think it was, yeah. like, not scary. Like, I hope it's scarier. <laughs> working with adults they can do more things to adults you know like right that's kind they of can hurt them and kill them yeah it'd be weird to see them kill a bunch of child actors like on screen so uh ho- hopefully they're able to go a little bit darker with this one and, yeah know, over the first chapter but 
I mean, I'm I feel pretty capable with him being the you know the the captain of this franchise at this point. I think he did a great job with the first first chapter, so I think yeah, just kind of yeah, letting yeah. him take course in this one makes sense. He likes CGI just like a little bit too much for me. You know, like some of the stuff. Yeah, I think in chapter one that should have been practical, like because he likes CGI a lot, but the CGI that he puts in his movies isn't good most of the time. Yeah. So <laughs> I don't know. Like I th- also from my like light research for videos and stuff, people seem way less excited about it. Chapter two so far than, you know, people were about the first one. Cause the first one I still, I think the trailer for that still has, is the most watched trailer ever. So I don't know. I, I want to see a trailer and stuff. Th- that news that Bill is being played by James McAvoy that I didn't I didn't think at the time it really rubbed me that wrong but now it's just like ugh, I don't I don't know I don't think he's good for the part. Do you think it's something where like the '90s miniseries that's still in the forefront of so many people's minds like the child mm-hmm. half of that movie is so much better than the adult yeah, half? Yeah, yeah. You think it's one of those situations where people are like, well. If it's going to be like the 90s miniseries, we've already seen the best part of the movie, so this second part will probably going to suck like it did in the 90s. Yeah, that makes sense to me. I mean, because that seems like the only thing people have to go off of. I mean, I know many people have read the book, but I don't know. I just feel like it's probably a hive mind of, well, the last time this happened, the first half was good and the second half sucked, so this will probably be, you know, a cyclical event. Yeah, I think it's going to be like the two new Star Wars movies, uh... Force Awakens and Last Jedi were like the first one is an event, you know, it's like yeah. a big event thing, yeah, like a return. True. And then the second one, the stands are gonna like clear out, you know, like the people who are just in it because they're like, oh, I have to like see this because it's an event. And then now they're like, okay, I don't care as much. I think that's probably a, a part of it as well. I think you're hitting the nail on the head with that. Yeah, but, I mean, I'm excited for it regardless, because the first one was, like, really good. Most of my complaints are super minor, uh, but, yeah, I'm, like, I'm excited. I just, I don't know. I gotta see what they're gonna do with Bill. I I just gotta see it, because he's, like, the leader of the group, you know? If it was, like, if he was a side character, I'd be like, eh, but he's the leader, so I want to see how James McAvoy is gonna play him. I mean, I like James McAvoy, I just think that's a really weird person to cast. Yeah, it it does seem strange. We'll have to. I think maybe we'll have a better idea of what to expect when the first trailer drops. But until then, we're kind of just kind of guessing. Yeah, that movie's not out for forever anyway. So yeah, we'll see in like a year. Yeah, we got time. <laughs> so next up is some good Cloverfield news. Surprisingly, uh, again from Eric Vespi, uh, he said that at CinemaCon, J.J. Abrams said Overlord is Bad Robot's first R-rated movie and swears it's not a secret Cloverfield movie. In fact, they are working on a dedicated Cloverfield sequel right now. And then he said Overlord looked way up his alley. He said it's set against the backdrop of D-Day. A squad of soldiers stumble upon a Nazi bunker with some really crazy shit, including a French woman's decapitated head asking for help. That sounds cool, dude. I'm like, I'm, I'm stoked for that. That sounds like a good good movie. Yeah, me. I'm happy it's not a Cloverfield movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I'm happy that the, like, that was the one complaint we had. We were like, they should just make a real Cloverfield movie from the ground up. And it seems like J.J. Abrams, you know, learned his lesson. And now he's uh, he taking himself to school and making a new movie. Yeah, uh, it's cool that this is R-rated. I think that will add a lot to, like, the horror elements. You're able to go a lot darker, show a lot more gore. 
Um, and it sounds like there's kind of a lot of weird, kind of surreal, creepy shit in this movie, like the French woman's decapitated head talking. So, I mean, I'm into this. Yeah, I'm into that for sure. So this it, is. It reminds me of the Nazi zombies trailer from the new Call of Duty. Yeah, yeah, it does seem like, like that. how cool that looked. Yeah. So, I mean, this is definitely gonna be one to watch. I think this is gonna. I'm more excited for it now that I know that it isn't uh, tied into the Cloverfield universe. Right, so right. I'm excited. I'm more excited for it now than I was before uh, CinemaCon. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I heard this movie's done. It's coming out really soon, too. Overlord. They're, like, preparing to release it already. And oh. it's going to be theatrical instead of being a Netflix dumpster fire. That's good. That's definitely <laughs> yeah. a big vote of confidence for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Step in the right direction. Uh so, the official synopsis for Overlord is that on the eve of D-Day, a group of American paratroopers are dropped behind enemy lines to carry out a mission crucial to the invasion's success. But as they approach their target, they begin to realize there is more going on in this Nazi-occupied village than a simple military operation. They find themselves fighting against supernatural forces, part of a Nazi experiment. That, I'm interested, man. That's yeah. cool. I mean, it sounds like... A ghost nazi movie which we don't see yeah. too many of but is a, definitely a cool concept yeah so i mean nothing to complain about there it seems like that's 100 percent good news it's exciting to not have to shit on something <laughs> for five seconds and then finally we get a detailed predator synopsis which is from the outer reaches of space to the small town streets of suburbia the hunt comes home in shane black's explosive reinvention of the predator series now the universe's most lethal hunters are stronger smarter and deadlier than ever before having genetically upgraded themselves with dna from other species when a young boy accidentally triggers their return to earth only a ragtag crew of ex-soldiers and a disgruntled science teacher can prevent the end of the human race now shane black we've talked about him before i didn't realize he's the guy who directed iron man 3 which is like in my opinion a really underrated marvel movie i absolutely love it i think it's like i i, I like the first one better but i, I like it better than two yeah at least yeah so that i'm i'm more excited now that we have this cool synopsis uh and you know i know who he is i know who uh, shane black is now i don't know i think the the streets of suburbia doesn't sound good to me. That seems... You know what it reminds me of, though? Alien vs. Predator Requiem. Yeah, and that's not a good thing. <laughs> no. Yeah, I, don't... I don't know. It could be cool. could be bad. I, I'm more excited. I went from like a 0 to a 5 out of, out of a scale of 10 mm -hmm. on excitement for this now. And then I saw the cast, which is Jacob Tremblay. I don't know who he is, but it sounds familiar. Keegan-Michael Key. Don't know who he is. Sterling K. Brown. Olivia Munn, Boyd Holbrook, Trevante Rhodes, Thomas Janes, Augusto Aguilera, Edward James Olmos, a bunch of other people. But Jake Busey is playing the son of Gary Busey's Predator 2 character. And that comes out September 14th, 2018. I don't know. It's R-rated. It's had a lot of reshoots. It's got a good director. It's got some okay cast. Weird plot synopsis, but I don't know. I, I'm like turning around on this a little bit. I mean... I guess all of Shane Black's movies are kind of weird. Like, Iron Man 3 is sort of strange for a superhero movie. You know, they kind of subvert expectations with the villain. And Kiss of Spang Bang yeah. is kind of similar to that. So, um, I, I mean, he's always... Like, his movies are always kind of weird. So, it'll be interesting to see how he takes Predator. Like, a movie that's so action-focused. So, the Friday the 13th remake was very different in terms of, like, 
how Jason is. It was made with like a plot in mind. It created a character out of Jason. And I think it's a really underrated movie. I really like it. I think it's honestly, there's a couple I like more than it, but it's near the top. So I really hope that since this kind of seems like it's reinventing the Predator wheel a little bit, uh, I really hope that if it's different and original and unique, that horror fans don't treat it like they did Friday the 13th. Because yeah, I that mean, sucks. Uh, like honestly, I'd be happy to see more Predator movies. I think that that's a character that you could do many interesting storylines with, since mm-hmm. you can put him on. You know, you make up a new planet with a new world, and he can fit right in and just kill everything. You know, it's he like, also hasn't been done to death. Like he's had Predators had three movies. If you don't count Alien versus Predator, yeah, like, and I mean those are a crossover, so. I mean, in and general, all three Predator movies are pretty good. Like yeah. the Topher Grace one, I don't think is bad. Yeah, I mean, Predator one and th- one, two, three are all all good movies. So, I think when it, when the crossovers happen is where it kind of gets weird because, I mean, even in like Freddy vs. Jason, which I think is like one of the better crossover movies. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like you're in a you're put in a weird space where you know neither character can really lose because then one fandom will be pissed that the other one won. So, right. if you just put him versus this new thing and everyone's rooting for Predator, then obviously he's going to win and everyone will be happy that he wins. Or, right, right, right. There's, there's a lot of cool things you can do with him. And he's a character you can put in like a million different scenarios and he'll always have a reason to fit in. So, I think... And he just looks cool. Yeah, and he, he's got a great design. His plot is always pretty cool. So, I, I mean, I hope this maybe brings a little bit of uh, heat back to that series, and I hope it's a good... I like the idea of mutant predators. Yeah. I think that's cool. Yeah, I think that's interesting with, like, different DNA splicing, and that's even something you could carry on to sequels if this does better. Right. So, I don't know. I hope, I kind of hope... It, I mean, obviously, I hope it does well. It's, Predator's one of those franchises where I don't think it's been driven into the ground. You know, like, I feel like Predator is one that deserves to be explored a little more. Uh... I don't think it suffers from the same problems that Alien does, where, like, the more you explore that universe, the, like, harder it is to buy into it. I think the Predator universe is a lot more ripe for, like, good storytelling. Yeah, I I think the issue with the Alien universe was it got really kind of muddy. Like, mm-hmm. around... Like, Alien 3 is, like, so dark that <laughs> it, it, like, almost kills the series just because the tone is right. so dark. So, it's so dark. I just watched the special edition director's cut or whatever. That like even that, just that movie is so ridiculously dark. <laughs> Fuck, it's like depressing. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I mean, I think that that was a series that started really strong, but kind of fell off because people didn't really know how to handle the character. And I think Predator. I, yeah. I, I'm not trying to knock Predator by saying it's a more like simple storyline. But right. I think, but it is. I mean, it is, and it's something that can be adapted and you know rebooted easier and more effectively. I feel because Predator, unlike Alien, started out as more of an action suspense movie than a horror movie. You know, right? Whereas Alien kind of morphed into that after the first one because of James Cameron. But I, I think that like I think that's working in Predator's favor. Yeah, honestly. Yeah, I think it works better for Predator than it did for Aliens. So uh, I hope that this does well, and I'm excited to see it.
Right, me too. So next up on the list is that at CinemaCon, Paramount teased Are You Afraid of the Dark with a new logo, which really isn't new, which I like. And uh, they said, the show is about the shared experience of telling stories, especially scary ones. We're going to celebrate that with this movie and honor the darker, scarier tone of the show, which was really groundbreaking for Nickelodeon at the time. I hope the Midnight Society approves, and it comes out on October 11th, 2019. I, I don't know why in my head I thought this movie was coming out this year, but I'm really excited. The logo's cool. It looks like uh, just the old show logo, but a little bit done up and shinier. Right. So... Uh, I, I agree. I thought it came out this year. I was expecting it to come out this year for some reason. I yeah, and I was excited about yeah, it. Yeah, I don't know what it was about. Maybe they put out a release date earlier, and or maybe it's just I heard about it this year, so I figured it had to be coming out soon. But um, yeah. regardless, I think it is cool. I think it's cool that they are, haven't really touched the logo too much. It sounds like they know what the the really good part of the show was, being, you, you know, these this kind of anthology setting where you can have these kids tell these dark, creepy stories and just kind of pick really good ones that, you know, kids and adults alike can relate to and enjoy. I think that that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's really where the show shined, and I'm glad to see that Paramount is talking about it the right way instead of it being, you know, maybe taking it, like, to be really campy or something, taking the tone yeah. down. Uh, At first glance... It kind of like at first glance, I was like, "Oh, this is gonna be a kids movie," like kind of like Goosebumps was, but I don't think it is because they like they can't really. I mean, they can, but they shouldn't market it to kids. They should market it to us, you know, because we were kids when the show was out. They're obviously keeping the same look and feel logo wise with the show to drum up that nostalgia. So hopefully, I mean, like I hope I hope that it has a more teenage vibe to it, but I think they could go dark and violent and really scary with it and i feel like they'd be rewarded for it by people our age going to see it because i feel like either way their core demographic should be people our age or a little older yeah like i hope it's a pg-13 i hope it isn't anything less than that i hope that they go for the yeah darker a little bit more violent a little scarier a little more edgy there's no way it's rated r so yeah like pg-13 i think they could do some stuff with yeah i mean pg-13 is like there's plenty of horror movies that came out in the last couple years that are pg-13 that didn't have any issue still being scary and showing a little bit darker things. I think if this was like a PG movie, then it, it might suck just because you, you're so limited right. in what you can show. But I think if it's like PG-13, keep it creepy, keep it scary, and focus it to like a little bit older demographic and people and kind of entice people like us to come back to see it in theaters, I think that's kind of the sweet spot of where this movie would would be the best. Yeah, and then that opens the door for an eerie Indiana reboot, which is what we all really want. That's what we're all just looking for. Yeah, and have you ever seen the show Lost Tapes? No. Okay, so it's like, I don't know what channel it was originally on, but I saw it on Animal Planet at like 2 in the morning one day, a few years ago, and it was really creepy. It was like a found footage show where they talk about, I think, cryptids, but the one that they were talking about that time was like the Jersey Devil, and they were—it was kind of like unsolved mysteries, where like a guy would be like, "This is a this is a show about the Jersey Devil. Here's what the Jersey Devil Jersey Devil is. Here's some footage of it." But we actually uh we recovered some tapes of like kids who went out into the woods to find the Jersey Devil, and we're just gonna roll that for you because they got murdered. They still haven't been found, and it was so scary, dude. 
I want to go back and watch it now because like I was old enough when I saw it the first time to where it wasn't like kid scary. It was like real scary uh-huh. just because it was older and it had, it was four by three. So it was that, like that old uh-huh. and it was that found footage style. It, it really creeped me out. Yeah. And I think if they can do something like that where they can introduce stories that would creep out slightly older audiences like 12, 13, 14 year olds, I think that would be awesome. Yeah, so, like, I don't know. So, you can look up Lost Tapes. It has, like, it was it was originally on Animal Planet. I'm looking it up right now. It 34 <laughs> episodes. It was narrated by a guy named Rick Robles. And, it, yeah, it, it went on, like, Cryptid. It was about cryptids. And it came out in 2008. And the first episode aired on Halloween 2008. And uh, the pilot was about the Chupacabra. So... They had episodes featuring zombies and the Kraken, and uh, I don't know. I might, I might go back and wa- rewatch it because <laughs> I remember it being really freaky, dude. Yeah, here's the overview. Lost Tapes depicts traumatic scenarios where people are attacked and or killed by mysterious, dangerous, deadly, savage, and ferocious paranormal wild cryptids. It's shot mockumentary style. Doesn't that sound awesome? That does sound pretty sweet. Yeah, I'm going to have to relook this up because I don't know if that fucking i think it was the jersey devil it freaked me out uh I, it had okay reviews it has an 83 percent fresh on rotten tomatoes that's pretty fresh the audience so yeah moral of the story is the the uh are you afraid of the dark movie is looking pretty good yeah so, so far that'll based be cool. on the logo. looking forward to it cool so more CinemaCon news we just got a ton of news out of CinemaCon. Uh, the new Terminator, which James Cameron is directly involved with, it's revealed to be called Terminator. And in the logo, they had Terminator 2 style Sarah Connor, you know, looking all badass like she could kill you with one punch. So I'm into this. Yeah, I mean. It's, Linda Hamilton's in it. And Arnold's in it, obviously. It's yeah, Terminator 6. Y- you can't keep him out of the Terminator movies at this point. Right. It's a direct sequel to T2 that stars Linda Carter, Linda Hamilton, and Arnold Schwarzenegger. So, uh, it comes out November 22nd, 2019. Next Halloween, if none of these movies get delayed, dude, it's going to be a big Yeah, Halloween October's going to be season. huge next year. Yeah. Start out with, uh, you know, whatever it's called, It 2, and then in September, and then work our way to, you know, Terminator. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm pretty I, stoked. I mean, this is definitely the place to pick up the series if you're gonna try to retcon the timeline because yeah basically everything after two sucked so <laughs> yeah pretty much three three isn't bad but it's it's approaching bad i don't know i, I think three is pretty bad i need to rewatch it <laughs> like i didn't hate it i watched it i don't know i watched it like maybe like i was i was definitely under the like i wasn't 18 when i watched t3 and it was okay. an R-rated movie, and I still thought it was stupid. So, all right, maybe it is bad. I don't remember. <laughs> but this movie is being directed by Tim Miller, and James Cameron is producing. And the new Terminator, like, is going to be played by Gabriel Luna, who was Ghost Riders, Ghost Rider, and Agents of Shield. And he was like the Robbie Ray as Ghost Rider, who's pretty cool. I mean, I don't want to, like past judgment too early on this since there isn't mm-hmm. a ton of details but uh i think definitely that's the right place to pick up the storyline right after t2 uh i'm glad to see you know some of the old cast coming back i think that adds a little bit of 
support, a little bit of like reassurance that it won't be terrible. But okay, um, I, I don't know. I think there just hasn't been a good Terminator in so long that if this is good, it's going to be a huge shock. Uh, yeah, I thought that Genesis like looked good. I just never saw it. I don't really care, and I heard it was bad. Yeah, I was sort of excited for Genesis because of um, Amelia Clark. From Game of yeah, Thrones. Yeah, and she's in Solo, right? Yeah, she's coming. She's in Solo as well. Yeah, she's but, Kira. Um, cool. I was like, oh, she's in it. She's a good actress. I'm excited to see it. And I never did. And I only heard it was terrible. So I never went back and watched it. Cool. So next on the list, another movie that got shown off a little bit at CinemaCon is the remake of Suspiria. And Suspiria is a Dario Argento movie that I haven't seen, but a lot of people really like it. Have you seen Suspiria? You know, it's weird, because a few months ago, actually, I was out at a family dinner, and I was telling my cousin, who's, like, quite a bit older than me, like, at least, like, six or seven years older than me, uh, that I had went and saw John Carpenter in concert, because uh, he's big into music, he's been playing music like his whole life, and uh, he he was like, oh, you like Carpenter, you should definitely check out Dario Argento's stuff. He's like, you have to watch Suspiria, like, that movie's incredible. Like, if you like old-school Carpenter, like, Dario Argento is, like, the Italian Carpenter. He's like Carpenter mixed with Kubrick. Like, you have to watch his movies. And I was okay. like, that sounds awesome. Like, I should definitely check that out. And I never did. Maybe we'll do that. Uh, I don't think any horror movies are coming out this week. So, maybe we can do that for next maybe week's show. Maybe Suspiria for next week? Yeah, that sounds like a good idea. All right, we'll do Suspiria next week. But they, they're, they're remaking it. Amazon Films is uh, remaking it. And they showed off... Uh, a crazy apparently scene at CinemaCon. Amy Kaufman tweeted, um, I'm traumatized after seeing a scene from Suspiria in which Dakota Johnson controls the body of another another woman as she dances. The woman's body literally cracks in half, like torn apart, splitting, urinating, bleeding. It's a lot. Peter Scaretta said, first clip from Suspiria invokes a dancer being thrown around like a rag doll. Telekinetically, in a mirrored rehearsal space, bones breaking, becoming a contorted mess. Very gruesome and hard to watch. And then uh, Fandango said, There's a 70s sepia tone and seriously some of the most disturbing body horror. So, uh, I'm pretty stoked for this. It comes out this year in fall. And yeah. The poster is pretty cool. I mean, it sounds pretty visually disturbing. Kind of like the source material. So, uh, it sounds cool. I mean, it sounds... Amazon's done some pretty good movies. I know they did... Uh, Mantasha by the Sea, and also the Big, uh, Sick. the Big Sick, which are both really good. I enjoy both those movies a lot, so I think they have a pretty good track record so far, and I, I trust yeah. them with this. And uh, Radiohead's Tom York composed the score. Uh, D- Dakota Johnson plays the main character, Susie Banyan, and the cast includes Chloe, Grace Moretz, Tilda Swinton, Mia Goth, Goth, Sylvie Tested, Angela Winkler. This is the weird letter. What's the L- Malgosa Bella? What's a elf with an line through it? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> and then let's and Jessica Harper. Uh, and in Suspiria, a young American ballet dancer travels to a prestigious dance academy in Europe, only discover it is something far more sinister and supernatural. She becomes increasingly terrified after a series of gruesome murders ensue, and she slowly unravels the dark history of the Academy. That sounds cool. If that's the same plot as the first one, I think I'm going to like it. Yeah, uh, I think that's 
definitely a movie we should check out for next week and yes i think that so yeah we'll talk about suspiria next week yeah um, i'm excited for it though yeah so i'm gonna see that this fall and then uh bloody disgusting got this like exclusive story up next on the list about a hulk movie that didn't happen from makeup master steve johnson and there was going to be a practical effects driven incredible hulk monster movie and the effects guy steve johnson said it was fucking great and talking about it makes me want to cry because it was so cool never saw the light of the day so to like paraphrase this basically there was going to be the bad guy was going to be like a 30 foot tall super hulk and the regular hulk was going to be nine feet tall and basically it was like this island where scientists were using gamma rays to you know genetically modify humans and animals and there was like all these fucked up like failures in the basement and like all this crazy stuff but the prosthetic effects look awesome i mean this is something where it could have been really cool Mm -hmm. but it also could have been terrible like i could right because if you ask effects people they're always going to say the movie is great because they don't they're they're on the practical end of the movie and they're not on the movie end of the movie right like they might have had so much enjoyment and having so much say in how everything looked and having the big, huge, you know, set pieces and everything, which, I, I mean, probably were pretty cool. Like, honestly, probably were yeah, pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah, there's some pictures of them in the dock, and they look sweet. Yeah, but I just think, I don't know, like, a, I don't know how you st- tie that story in with the whole. It wouldn't be R-rated, and it, it wouldn't be part of the MCU. Yeah, it would have to sure. be... I, I mean, honestly, it sounds like a movie you can do without the Hulk name. Like, you could call it something else and just mm-hmm. make it you know but have it not be under the mcu umbrella and call Damn it Damn it, guys and the incredible fella yeah <laughs> the incredible fella could just like you know punch a 30 foot tall incredible schmella i mean it's like <laughs> it writes itself it writes itself it's the right <laughs> i mean i think that the one reason that this would have failed is either just because when you have practical effects obviously it's much much more expensive and you know difficult to film but also, I think because it was like a Hulk as the main character, that obviously made it so Marvel had to have a bunch of creative say in what happened to it, and that probably is right. what killed it. In '90s era superhero movies, dude, I just don't give a fuck. I hate that aesthetic. Like the like, it's trying to those movies all tried way too literally to translate the comics to the screen he also shared today a story about an iron man movie that didn't happen and the suit looks fucking bad it, it looks like a bad cross between like the original iron man suit and kind of the modern ones i don't know like that i'm glad that didn't happen it's sort of like um you remember, did you see the iron man one no i haven't seen the iron man one but okay. you remember the nick cage superman movie that almost happened yeah, yeah, I think this guy did the effects on that, too. Yeah, I mean, like, that one picture that leaked out of Nick Cage in the so Superman bad. suit is so bad. And, I, I mean, if if purely you say this was a Hulk movie that was supposed to come out in the 90s, there's, like, a 99% chance it was going to be bad. The only good right. 90s superhero movie were uh, Tim Burton's Batman, which was 89. So not yeah, even was 90s. It was very, it was on the cusp. And it was kind of goofy still. I mean, the sequel was, like, 92, 93, and that one was really dark, but that one was okay. It wasn't It wasn't as good as the first one. So, I mean, in general, yeah, the wrong person most... wrong to talk to. Yeah. I mean, in general, most of, like, <laughs> the 90s superhero movies were just kind of okay. Yeah. 
I don't know. I don't, I don't give a shit. Like, early 2000s and the 90s, I just, like... I think Captain Marvel will be great because that's an awesome character. And when you romanticize the 90s, it'll probably be a lot, you know, better than if they actually filmed it in the 90s. Well, yeah, when you have use, takes place in the 90s. use of actual modern technology, you can make things better than you could in the 90s. <laughs> yeah, better than it actually was. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, the only reason I thought this was cool is because the two Hulk movies we have, or modern Hulk movies, both suck. Like, sorry, guys. Incredible Hulk is not a good movie, I'm afraid. I don't but, think anyone's defending Ang Lee's Hulk. Yeah, and I can't believe that's part of the MCU when that's like no not Ang even a Marvel Lee's Studios isn't the, movie. The other one is. Oh yeah, Edward that's Norton. the that's the original one. Yeah, right. That that movie sucks ass. Yeah. but the Edward Norton one, I see a few people defend. I don't understand how that's a part of the MCU when it's a Universal movie. It's not even a Marvel Studios movie. It's just like yeah, there's weird stuff with Universal and rights. They're really stingy about. Um, about giving up rights to movies so once they have it they basically just never give it up no matter what and like i like planet hulk but i don't know i just don't think hulk is like a cool enough character to stand on his own i mean i think they did a good enough job with a pseudo planet hulk storyline in thor ragnarok yeah yeah they made it like planet garbage with jeff goldberg (laughs) it was awesome i mean because the the real (laughs) cool part of that story is like hulk being a gladiator so i think yeah yeah being able to have that in in the movie is like what was cool about that story right so uh i just thought that was a cool thing bloody disgusting has the exclusive on it so you go check that I mean, out it's definitely interesting interested. yeah the the pictures in it are almost more interesting than the actual story yeah because <laughs> like i don't know i don't, like the effects guy doesn't really dictate whether or not a movie is good to me right uh so last on the list here for news uh hep we're we're talking about Happy Death Day today, so I thought this was kind of fun that Happy Death Day 2 has some casting news, I guess. So Happy Death Day 2 is happening with Jessica Roth returning as Tree. Uh, it doesn't really get much better from there, though, because her quote says that the sequel, the way it's been described to me, elevates the movie from being a horror movie. I wouldn't even say it's just a horror movie because it's a horror comedy, rom-com drama into a Back to the Future type genre film. That's just like... Why is it that when you have a successful horror movie, you have to be like, oh, no, it's like, uh, we're elevating it above this. You know, we, we just use this trash genre to get things rolling. And now, now we're really going to make a good movie, you guys. That kind of pissed me off. But Israel Bussard's back as Carter. Siraj Sharma is from Life of Pi. And Sarah Yarkin from American Horror Story are going to be in it. So there's no there's no, like uh there's no plot news but christopher landon is directing it and they're starting to film it in may yeah i mean it seems weird that this would even get a sequel yeah like i get that and yeah uh, i mean there's also some news we didn't talk about it but uh Quiet Place got a sequel announced also. Oh yeah, we got to talk about that, that after this, but they're getting Quiet Places and I think this and that fall in the same category where they're movies... for different reasons though. But I I mean I think they're both movies that don't need a sequel. I think that they're yeah, definitely. a contained story that doesn't need any more exploration in that world or that setting yeah let's just move on to the quiet place thing because i think a lot of like what we're about to start talking about will play into our like spoilery review of happy death day but yeah a quiet place dude that movie does not need a fucking sequel the whole reason that movie works is because it picks up three months into the epidemic because if you really think about it 
once they even figure out how to beat these monsters, they would have been beaten. There's no way the world would have fallen fallen to these monsters. It was great for what it was. The monsters look good for being all CGI, but they're not cool enough to become iconic monsters, in my opinion. Like, that was a character-driven story, and that's why that movie is great. It has nothing to do with, you know, being a good monster. Yeah, it's it's not about really the environment that they're in. It's more about how these characters deal with the cards they've been dealt and how to overcome the obstacles in their life, you know, and yeah, totally. That is what keeps you interested and keeps you on your toes. And so and laser the setting, focused. The setting was great. The characters were great. The sound soundtrack was great. The, the like, the thing that the monsters do is great, but the weakest part of that movie is the actual monsters, you know, like they're great and they're cool looking, but they're not like iconic. I would, I wouldn't say. Yeah. Like the, I guess the setup would be like what we're, what we were criticizing the most. Yeah. 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 I think that the actual plot machine as it works out is good. I think everything about it flows and makes sense and is smart, but the setup of, this is the world and this is how it came to be. This is what the monsters are. These are their weaknesses and their strengths is something that if you keep trying to go back to the well to explain further, will just become dumber and dumber. Right. It's like uh, the core that you build around for that movie is the, the family. Right. It's not the the like world. Exactly. The world is an, an upbranching arm off of the family, which is the center. Right. So, Yeah. I don't know. Some people are stupid. So someone retweeted me when I tweeted that I don't think it needs a sequel. And then this one guy who runs like, I don't know if it was a guy or a girl, actually, this person who runs slashers.net or something like that was like, I fucking think this is such a dumb sentiment. Every good horror movie needs a horror. It needs a good sequel, like blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, you're just so fucking wrong, dude. This doesn't need a sequel. And not every good horror movie needs a sequel. Not, I'm so sick of franchises, dude. Like, I'm 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 happy when movies like Star Wars and Marvel, and I guess DC could do this right if they actually like you know committed to doing things the right way. Those things deserve to have franchises because they're being adapted from like bigger worlds already. But like, not every good horror movie needs a franchise. It just doesn't. I think like. The reveal at the end of Split kind of cheapens the movie a lot. Unfriended was a like fun concept, but that definitely didn't need a sequel. Like at once you start throwing in all these sequels, the the goal stops being let's make a great movie to and it changes to let's make a lot of money because they already saw that they could make money on the concept. I'd much rather this creative team of John Krasinski and these other two guys get together and come up with something new. Wouldn't you? Yeah, I totally agree with that sentiment. I think like, I think Jesus. if it's something where it's a story that can be expanded either through, like the way Marvel or DC would do it, where it's a bunch of characters that build out this world because they all have different sections and you know it all comes together because there's one main goal they're all after. I think that, that makes sense to have a franchise built around and introducing all these characters that will one day meet each other and build this universe that they're all working together in. But in a situation where, oh, this movie that was completely self-contained did, like, in no way hinted at a sequel, in no way needs a sequel, <laughs> let's just go back because this one made 
X amount of dollars that was so, you know, made so much money that we need to keep going back to this is not the, the right way to look at it. I, I feel right. Like. And if I made this movie, you'd think my goal would be, hey, let's make a kick-ass movie so that we can keep making, like, kick-ass movies. Like, I would use this movie being so successful as leverage to continue making really cool original concepts like it. Right. You know? Yeah, Like, exactly. that just seems like the no-brainer there. And you got Michael Bay money. You know, no one's gonna say no to John Krasinski. Have you seen that guy's face? Like Jesus Christ, that dude asked <laughs> that guy asked me for ten bucks. I'd still give it to him, even though I know he's rich. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like Michael Bay's bleeding his China money. Yeah, I mean it's just I don't know. I I feel like I neither of these movies really need a sequel, and it just feels like a cash in. And I don't feel like there's any way that. A, even with a good director and a good script and everything, they can make it not feel like a cash-in because it's they're they're kind of shallow in the sense of the main story that was meant to be told has been told. So what else are you gonna do? Right, exactly. Just doesn't make any sense. So we're gonna take a quick break and then we're gonna come back and talk about Happy Death Day. See you in a minute. Hi, I'm Matt. I'm Dustin. And And we're we're the the Final Final Boys, Boys, a podcast that celebrates all things horror and cinema and pop culture. Have you ever wondered about the history behind the Paris catacombs? The true stories behind the Bloody Mary legend? Or are you just like listening to two dudes bullshit about their favorite? And not-so-favorite horror movies. Well, you should check out The Final Boys. You can find us on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. All right, so we're back with segment two here. We're going to be reviewing uh, Happy Death Day, which is directed by Christopher B. Landon. Uh, He's notable because he wrote Disturbia, and the writer of this movie is Scott Lobdell, and he's like a big comics writer. He's written like a bunch of different issues of Marvel, DC Comics. He's had a little bit of controversy for sexual harassment, so... I think he deserves to be commended for not writing a gross script for this movie. Like, it's pretty... I don't know, I think it's pretty tame. But, uh... It stars Jessica Roth as Tree, Israel Boussard as Carter, her eventual boyfriend, and Ruby Modine as Lori, who... This is gonna be a spoiler review. You have five seconds. Five, four, three, two, one. Lori is, uh... The eventual killer of, uh... Jessica Roth's character, Tree. And... Yeah, what'd you think of it, dude? I, I saw it when it came out. I liked it a lot. I just watched it again. I thought it was, like, pretty good. I think it's pretty good. Pretty okay. Yeah, I mean, I like it. I think it's good. I think that the concept works better than it has any right to. I, right. I think that the fact that it's basically a Groundhog's Day remake, and they even joke about that at the end of the movie, um, yeah. <laughs> is, you know, you wouldn't expect it to be that good because it's, like, almost just a rehash of this classic, but with a little bit of a horror twist to it. But I think it works well. I mean, Tree is a very likable main character. I think the biggest reason this movie works is because of her. I think she is, like, the driving force of this movie being good. Completely. I think she's extremely likable as a main character, a a good actress. You believe in this, you know, how frustrating it is for her to be in this stuck in this loop where she can't stop waking up over and over again and even when she thinks that she solved it and she's like finally i'm gonna be done with this and she wakes up again and she's like oh my fucking god i'm just gonna kill somebody yeah and like the arc she goes through is good uh when she becomes a badass at the end and like wears her leather jacket and decides she's gonna go you know kill this killer i thought that was really cool She's like a total badass character, like not tropey at all. And the the montage when she's like 
doing all the research of her suspect list and she like finds out this guy who she dated is gay and like oh yeah she's crossing out the list of like who she thinks it might be (laughs) yeah i thought that was really funny the soundtrack i thought was exceptional some great music in it uh the time travel stuff there's a lot of plot holes in it like the groundhog's days at groundhog days at groundhog's day aspect a lot of plot holes there if i think and there there's this one weird thing that really bothered me so you know how she doesn't want people to know it's her birthday because that's her mom died on her birthday right why the fuck did she purposely set her ringtone (laughs) to be a birthday ringtone as far as i know there no phone does that automatically so it's like you don't want people to know why would you set it as your ringtone and it turns out a lot of people know it's her birthday her roommate who's trying to kill her knows it's her birthday her entire sorority knows it's her birthday so that was just like uh, it's a weird plot element you know yeah i mean i get that obviously it's more like a personal thing she doesn't want to celebrate it because it, you know something tragic happened on that day yeah her mom died and she shared the birthday with her mom. yeah you know and that was like always their thing they did together so she doesn't really want to celebrate and i get that and <laughs> And I think that it's kind of important that they set that up because later in the movie they talk about how, you know, that's how her character grows. Right, is right, right. She, she thinks about that and she's like, you know what, like, if my mom were able, if she were still alive and she saw me now, she wouldn't be proud of, like, what I am today, so. Yeah, so, like, that, the plot aspect makes sense and I'm fine with it. It's just... It, a little messy why, execution. Why didn't they think about it? Yeah. yeah like, the, the stuff that they fuck up with it is so basic. Yeah, it definitely could have been executed better if they tightened up the writing a bit maybe thought about a, a slightly different way to introduce it because because it works plot wise but not like in execute in a yeah. universe you know it, it it's kind of weird right and uh you know the script i think the script's pretty good like especially since uh what's his name scott labdell is an older dude like in his 60s you know like the dialogue in this movie doesn't feel like an adult like an old guy writing you know, a college girl's dialogue. thought that was pretty, like, cool. And again, for a guy who got in trouble for sexual harassment a couple times, he did he did a pretty tasteful job here, you know, not portraying anyone in a gross light, I, I think. Yeah, I mean, I think the tree is actually a pretty, you know, empowered character. I know you were saying earlier. Yeah, the only reason I looked it up, because I was like, who wrote this movie so well? Yeah, I mean, like you said, she has that whole montage of her, like, becoming a badass and being like i'm not going to be hunted this time i'm going to hunt the killer which is cool i mean it's a cool way to flip the script on its ear and i mean i just i thought that you know other than like the birthday plot element not being executed the best way it could have been i think the rest of the plot works and i think the groundhog's day elements are it's fun it's kind of i mean i don't it's not played out but it feels redundant almost because we've seen groundhog's day and we know how this movie works yeah since it's so similar to how that works like <laughs> yeah i agree with that uh, but it's not made for us i don't think it's i think it's made for a younger demographic who definitely hasn't seen groundhog's day right i guess like you can make that argument if you wanted to but it's a blumhouse movie i think there's a lot of adults who go see every blumhouse movie like blumhouse has a fan following at this point if you ask me yeah exactly like a cult following yeah and so i mean other than that i think if you can ignore the fact that it's it's so similar to that movie and plot structure um and just kind of look at it 
on its own two feet and how it uses it to, you know, work through Tree's character of growing and, you know, becoming someone that her mom would be proud of and figuring out who the killer is and, you know, becoming a better person by the end of the movie. I think that it all does work really well, better than it, than it should have, really. I agree. And a lot of it is, like... A lot of this stuff we're talking about, like the, you know, pretty clear defined arc, open and shut story, is why I don't think this movie really needs a sequel, even if Jessica Roth is coming back to star, like, as happy as that makes me, like, I don't know, it's, it's, it's clear that the only reason it's getting a sequel is because it made money, you know, it's not because the plot that they made for this dictated a sequel to begin with, it didn't, it's, it's a pretty open and shut story, I think. Yeah, I mean, the only reason that I have any interest in a sequel at all is to see jessica roth back on screen and i'd prefer her to be not the same character that we just saw in the last movie you know in the movie she starts off as just like a sorority girl who parties and doesn't really pay attention in class and sleeps with the professor and you know just in general isn't a very good person and by the end is like respectable and has learned a lesson and is you know cool and and I don't know, like, what else does she really have to learn? Like, what what else can she really right. do? It's obvious that she's getting new friends because she quits her sorority. These two new characters that they're adding in are going to be her new friends, I think. Uh, but she's still going to be dating Carter. So, like, and she's saying it's not a horror movie, which immediately I'm less interested. So I don't know where they could really take it. I mean, you can't rehash it again. You can't have her go in the same scenario where she's stuck in a time loop you'd have to yeah and then if you take that away i mean what is the movie it it's it's just weird it doesn't feel like it's Mm -hmm. set up for a sequel doesn't feel like it needs a sequel and it's disappointing that they would bring her back just to be in something that's probably gonna be really mediocre when she's such a good actress in this movie that i'd love to see her be a new character be something interesting she only has 8,000 Twitter followers, which I find insane. But uh, also, what was I going to say about this? So I think this movie makes a really good argument for how to do a PG-13 horror movie, right? Like, they don't show a lot of gore, but the kills... Uh, a lot of the kills are actually played for humor, and I think that works really well. Like, they're funny, a lot of them. And the final, like, kill, she kicks Lori out the window. I thought that was hilarious, except for the CGI blood when she hits the ground. That's... <laughs> why do people do that but the the part where the guy takes her up to the bedroom his bedroom and blasts the techno music and then you know like Lori comes oh, in yeah. and kills the guy while tree is texting i thought that was pretty funny yeah uh there's this one bitch character oh my god i forgot her name but i hate you just hate her because the actress plays her perfectly <laughs> and then there's like a part where she's trying to figure out the killer and she like pulls the girl into the street and they both get hit by a bus i like that a lot yeah thought that was pretty funny so i think it's a good i don't think this needed to be rated r by any means i don't think it would have helped it in any way and i think the people behind um what's that movie that just came out truth or dare probably could have learned a lesson from this yeah uh, i agree this is kind of the right way to do a pg-13 movie where you're able to explore kind of darker themes show you have horror elements but you know if like, the only thing they would do to make it R would be either more swearing or more gore, and I don't think it needed either of those. It told the story fine with the dialogue that it had and what, like, 
we're gonna see her actually get like her head cut off and like her guts spilled out like that wouldn't have really done anything like for the movie i also i like the twist a lot that like she doesn't have unlimited time because she's getting like scarred by every yeah, death i thought that internally. was that was a cool that twist. was really smart yeah they didn't have to do that yeah that was an interesting twist and also you know the actual twist of the movie when you find out who the killer is uh it's something i guessed where... it in the theater two minutes before it happened i but i i think it was a really good twist i did not and see it was it like it was like a whim guess like i was just like i bet it's the roommate like it wasn't like, I, you know, was thinking about it and guessed it correctly because I was smart. It was just because, like, <laughs> I didn't think it was that guy. Right. And um, th- I, I, this is something that we've criticized other movies for. When they have a twist ending and they just kind of pull it out of nowhere and there's no way you could have ever <laughs> guessed it or figured it out if you just watched the right. movie. But I think this, I mean, there's not a ton of context clues that it was the roommate, but it's something that you could figure out if yeah. you you know, we're the whole movie thinking about it and paying attention. There's enough. Yeah. There. On second watch, I was paying attention to that. And yeah, there is like with the cupcake and everything. Like if you pay attention, they give it away a few times. Like it gets a little bit risky, even how much they show you. Yeah. So I thought that was pretty fun. So I think that's a really great way of having a twist ending where you kind of hint at it. You give the audience a, a trail of breadcrumbs that if they're really paying attention, they can follow it and they can figure it out. But you know even if they don't when it happens it's really rewarding to be like oh my god i really didn't expect that to be what was going to happen yeah and it's i think it's cool that it's an emotional movie it has like really good heartfelt character development i think character development is like this movie's strongest point honestly and the the like university they went through a weird amount of work to like flesh out this university's backstory it's in louisiana like the merch that they're selling on the way to the football games like the baby mask and all this stuff that they didn't really have to do and that i don't think a lot of other pg-13 horror movies like that were obviously made as cash grabs i don't think this was made as a cash grab i think like some cool people uh put a lot of work into this and it paid off yeah i agree i think that this is something it feels like it was a story that was made and they were trying to get it you know they took it to Blumhouse because they were like, this is actually a really good idea, and we just need a little bit of funding to make this work, and we could do something cool with it. And they were like, yep, here you go. Yeah, and I, I we didn't expect it to be good, but like I saw it, uh, I think it was like the first movie pass movie I saw, and I think it was worth paying for. Yeah. Uh, um, I, I bought it. I bought it on Blu-ray because I liked it so much. Yeah, I hadn't, like, uh, like you said in the beginning of this inter- uh, review, I hadn't seen it until we just watched it uh for till i watched it for this episode so i was i missed it you know when it came around i never really took the time to go back and watch it but i'm glad that we did take the time to watch it for this episode because i think it's actually really good and probably something that was overlooked by a lot of people like myself yeah so uh on letterboxd i think i gave it a three out of half three and a half out of five what would you give it? I think that's a... I, I don't think you reviewed, reviewed it yet. I haven't reviewed it yet, but I think that's that's a pretty fair score. I think it's not perfect. I think there's some issues that kind of rear its head, but I think that the story is good. The main character, Tree, I think if she wasn't as good as she was, this movie would be worse. Um, By a lot. But I think that she is so good in it that it really elevates it to uh, being uh, a pretty good movie. I don't think it's great. I don't think it's perfect, but I think it's pretty good. Me too. Me too. So go check out Happy Death Day. It's not on any streaming services yet, 
but it's worth a rental. I think it's like $3.99 on Amazon. But I also think that the Blu-ray is worth a buy just because of the cover. I think the poster is really cool, like with the birthday cake with the knife in it. Yeah. And it's got the icing that spells it out Happy Death Day. It does a cool, uh, cool box art. Yeah, cool box art. So I give this one a Blu-ray buy. I think it's a buy. Yeah. Or uh, a rent if you're really poor or something. I don't know how much the Blu-ray is, but I just paid like 7 bucks to rent it on YouTube. So... I assume that Blu-ray is not much more expensive than that, so you should probably just buy that instead of renting it. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, yeah, that's going to wrap up episode 28 of Fear Frequency. We're getting high enough now to where I'm kind of, like, forgetting almost every week what episode <laughs> we're on, which is crazy. But uh, we want to ask you guys to go review us on iTunes and follow us on Instagram. We have a pretty cool, active community there. I think people really like Evil Dead in our community for some reason. People are really vocal about it. Or, and Halloween, uh, and even Happy Death Day and newer stuff. So if you're into that and you want to you know, get some responses, make some new friends, go check out our Instagram at Fear Frequency. The Twitter's there, but it's mostly just like news updates for us. Like this week, this episode's obviously up later, so um, we tweet about that stuff. So if you want to like get the critical updates, follow the Twitter. But if you want to have some fun and maybe make some new friends and talk to us, uh, I would suggest the Instagram. Uh, do you have any last housekeeping stuff you want to do before you bring us home yeah i mean George? uh i would just say that instagram is definitely our largest uh social media following i guess you could call it so if you do want to keep up to date with when we post episodes and uh with a community that is the most active i would say instagram is the best place to go but um yeah i would say also follow us individually on twitter uh, at jimmy champagne and at george frizzard and also uh the, Inst- the fear frequency twitter is also okay if you'd like to cool so yeah bring us home dude yeah so uh, as always come back next week for more horror news and reviews and you never know who might be listening <laughs>